to Let's Talk Luxury, the Mazars podcast series about how and why luxury brands are undergoing a business model makeover. In each episode, luxury experts discuss what's happening in the sector, from authenticity to circularity, new customer cohorts to retail experiences worth posting about. The luxury business model is changing, and in this series, we'll explore how to stay in vogue. So, Let's Talk Luxury. Hello, everyone. Today's guest is Isabel Massa, partner and head of luxury at Mazars, who recently launched Conscious Collaborative Connected, a study on the new business model emerging in the luxury sector. Great to have you, Isabel. Hello. Thank you for having me today. It's great to have you. Could you bring us up to speed with what's happening in the luxury sector? What is driving transformation? Yeah, the, the, the sector is, is changing to meet and surpass the expectation of its new customers. Um, it's really prioritizing luxury experiences, engaging in partnerships and adopting circle practices to make its product and methods more sustainable. Um, at the end of 2020, we have released Conscious, Collaborative and Connected, a study examining how luxury customers want not just timeless products and sophisticated long-term relationships, uh, with brands, but also seamless post-sale services, unique experiences, and even transparent supply chain. And the only way to achieve that is, of course, through technology. Um, and all this is led totally by the new customers. So before we get into the study and its findings, can you tell me a little bit more about those luxury customers? Yes, of course. Uh, you have three uh, cohorts of new customers. The first one is Gen Z. Uh, second is wealthy Chinese customers. And third one is Henry's. Uh, they're called Henry's uh, because they're high earners, not rich yet, which means Henry's as an acronym. Uh, the Gen Z is a 15 to 20 year old luxury youngest cohort. They're very young. They're starting very young. Like uh, when, when a, a few generations ago, uh, you started having your first luxury good, let's say when you were a girl. By having a, a, a pearl necklace for your 21st birthday. Uh, which is absolutely not the case today because it's not a gift from your family, but you buy it yourself, usually online, and you start at 15. Uh, they're very attracted to products that are parts of capsule collection, uh, that are combining luxuries, tweetswear, and they're very into the communities uh, where they belong with influencers. Uh, they have flat uh, smartphones and they follow their influencers. And by the way, they make the rotation of luxury goods um, much uh, rapid uh, because they they really want the new trends. Uh, so they're buying, maybe reselling. And, and because their influencer changed also. <laughs> um, the second one is wealthy Chinese customer, and they are crucial to the sector. Uh, you might have seen the figures where China is all, uh, today the first luxury um, country uh, in, in the market. And 
with the growth which is unbelievable. And their, their customer wants to research product online, but also buying them in stores. So you have so, sort of an hybrid way to consume. And then uh, they a little different. They want uh, to research product. They want to invest. So certification of authenticity is really important. And all the more as forgery is really a big issue in China. So we might come back to that aspect, but it's really crucial to take on board that that vision of a counterfeit product. Uh, the third one are, are the headrays, uh, who include millenniums, uh, Gen X, and um, they earn more than 100,000 uh, to 250,000 or 300,000 um, uh, uh, US dollar per year. They are big on sustainability. They tend to seek experiences as well as product and they're being drawn to um, in stores event especially when it's small and exclusive so you have really the community of the young ones <laughs> of the gen z you have the investment social part for the customers uh, chinese customers and the exclusivity for the third block uh, of customers. Really, uh, the, this world is changing. It's really changing. The report is Conscious, Collaborative, Connected. Can you tell me about the connected part? What is the role of technology in the new luxury business model? Yes, well, I, I've started to mention some of the parts of it, uh, but technology underpins every luxury business uh, they're, they're going to, to keep up with their customer. Uh, it's being used to upgrade the experience for, that's the first, the first point. If you, if you see, for instance, the Gucci concept store in New York, uh, they have augmented reality app that to let their customer virtually customize a product and see where the, the, where it goes in the real world, how it will look. Um, and you have that, uh, in, in many, you can do that online also for many, for many brands. Uh, technology also combats counterfeiting. I was mentioning the Chinese issue on, on counterfeiting. Um, some of the brands are, are waving, uh, radio frequency ID tags, uh, into their goods that you cannot detect, um, Without the system, it's still in there and it can prove authenticity. Um, and uh, one, for instance, one of the luxury watchmaker, which is uh, Ulysse Nardin, has begun to offer blockchain warranty certificate uh, rather than the physical uh, guarantee card. Um, Ariani, who, who we've been partnering partnering with uh, for this study um, has developed a protocol for open source blockchain-based technology that generates digital passport for product. That's very interesting because it means that from the initiation, let's say the birth of the product up to, I don't know, its destruction, maybe maybe in three or, or two centuries, let's say, if it goes through, uh, uh, you know, the normal life cycle of, of a luxury product. The passport is going to move along with the with the product, and, and it's also a guarantee that it's not a stolen good. It's been repaired at the right time. It's been maintained at the right place, etc. 
Um, technology leads also to greater sustainability uh, in a world like luxury, um, characterized with pleasure and not with necessity. People don't want purchase, to purchase a good uh, at the expense of the environment. Second-hand retail platform like the Real Real, um, like uh, Vestiaire Collective, etc., et uh, have been designed to be uh, long-lasting. Um, and and your product, your handbag, even your grandma's handbag that you don't want anymore, can find a home in the if, if the if you don't need it anymore. So it's it's really uh, everything um, is done for the long term sustainability goods, and your technology helps you go uh, with the new trends uh, from step one of the creation of the product up till the end uh, that means the final customer but also the next final customer that means the final customer is not the ultimate one as it was you mentioned sustainability and the passing down of goods through generations but the luxury sector still seems to get a lot of criticism for not being environmentally friendly enough how are some ways in which brands are tackling that yeah, I guess the only industry that is uh, totally uh, environmental friendly is the industry that does not product anything. <laughs> because <laughs> when you have an industry, usually, uh, unfortunately, it, it, it harms the environment. So the uh, the luxury sector um, has been for uh, quite a lot of years very conscious of that. I guess the uh, luxury sector was one of the industry that was the most conscious of it, maybe because of the this uh, idea that it's only for pleasure. So you don't want to h- harm the planet for pleasure. Um, for a loaf of bread, you can admit that you're not totally sustainable because you need to food to eat and survive but for a beautiful handbag i'm not that sure for a diamond in your on your ring you 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 you're more happy if you know that it's not a blood diamond um so customers have increasingly high expectation for how brand approach sustainability including but not not only uh, carbon emission, um, material usage, and labor practices, of course. Uh, in response, uh, we have seen the fashion houses investing more in ensuring products uh, that can last longer. And that includes services for repay, reuse, resell, upcycling, recycling. Um, and many people uh, were uh, already using recycle uh, styles. Uh, years ago, I was mentioning the, the necklace, the pearl necklace that you had. You had it uh, from your grandmother or from your mother and you gave it to your daughter. So it was already, uh, I mean, recycled goods. Uh, the only thing is now it's uh, recycled outside the family and not totally internally to the family. So we call it eco-responsibility where before we called it transmission and patrimony. Um, but the younger generation demands that uh, 
uh, more and more because of also of the uh, I was mentioning also before the uh, speed of rotation of the goods and the trends. So if you would, uh, I mean, the the pearl necklace I was referring to might be a little old fashioned today, but you want to have a, a ring from Pomelato or I don't know, a scarf from Hermès and not um the the one that was created by when your grandmother was a young girl but maybe the one that was just out the next the the the, the season before um and uh, you uh you you create sort of that eco responsibility and with all the data that are available the platforms that are have been created for that uh, like uh, I, I was, I was mentioning Vestiaire Collective um, uh, or the Real Real. You can recycle and recycle and recycle, and and that the same product can have, I mean, infinite owners, infinite number of owners, um, and that's the new way to consume luxury, actually. And up against all of these changes and these different demands, it sounds like uh, luxury brands can't go it alone. Are there any kinds of partnerships that luxury brands are getting into in order to stay ahead of the curve? Yeah, um, that's the third point of, of the of the trio of the luxury. Uh, the luxury business know that they have to form partnership with retail platform and technology. Uh, to promote, to distribute, and to recycle their pieces. Uh, I, I guess we've been giving uh, a few examples there. Um, and the, the partnership, uh, the most effective way for them to implement the innovation they need. Uh, but exclusivity that has been for quite a long time uh, the bedrock for luxury experiences um, and after that, the brands have rightly began to put their trust in others so that their products can be discovered and purchased at any age when customers expect to find all brands and all their products easily online. So you started from, I have a store, I want a pearl necklace. Let's take my, my famous pearl necklace and I'm going to buy it uh, in a store, Place Vendôme. And this is quite an experience, very exclusive. You cannot buy it elsewhere. To, um, I'm online, I'm seeing my influencer. She has a handbag I want. And by the way, the handbag is a creation with a, a, a showrunner uh, a collaboration with the brands. Um, and, and you have this handbag, which is already a collaboration that you're going to have online because the influencer is going to have it. And you're going to buy it online or to buy it uh, in a multiple brand platform uh, like Farfetch. Let's take Farfetch. Let's take Hute. Let's take Net-A-Porter. All these people are selling goods um, and, and you have the whole portfolio of brands in, in, their, in their thing. So, yes, partnership is really important. Uh, they have to take it on board uh, from the very um, start of the life of the product until the last part of, the, of, of that product also. Hmm. 
And before we finish, what should we expect in the near future from luxury brands? I mean, I, I don't see any revolution, but I see this evolution, which is already a revolution by itself, uh, uh, accelerated um, and the conscious, collaborative, connected trends uh, are going to be even faster, even deeper. So we're going to, to go that way uh, even more. Um, I don't know how it's going to be run, you know, because it's it's really all this partnership it's it's like bubbling in <laughs> all, all everywhere Be before luxury was a very steady world there were creations but you know you have classical uh, type of product etc this type of luxury still exists if you want a birkin you can go to hermes they have it but it's changing so much i mean sneakers in luxury can you imagine that I mean, 30 years before, it didn't exist. It's really changing. And sneakers that are not made of plastic, but of recycled plastic, even more. I mean, those trends are going to be accelerated, but uh, I don't see anything else than the three foot for the luxury basis. Thank you, Isabel, partner and head of luxury at Mazars, uh, for your time today and helping us explore how luxury companies are staying on trend for generations. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Luxury. To find out more about changes in the luxury sector, search Mazars, making over the luxury business model, or follow the link in the show notes. And to keep up with this series, subscribe on your favorite podcast app or go to mazars.com.